Okay, Shavua Tov. Today we begin the eighth chapter. Oh, yes, I just did. That was, that was took us an extra two minutes to get that going. Okay, this chapter is going to be called The Forgetters of God. This is where they're going to get it. This is where they're going to get it. Okay. Well, first we'll have a bit of an introduction from Rip Shurky, and then we'll get into the actual text. <coughs> and just a little bit in recaps, because we could get lost uh, from what we've discussed in the beginning. So this this is all Rip Shurky's words, the way we've translated. These words were written, as mentioned, during the First World War, while Rav Cook was in Europe. And there, Rav Cook became aware experientially of the failure of European Christian culture, which failed to prevent the great bloodshed of the First World War. Indeed, there is a big question. How can it be that nations that advocated Christianity or were greatly influenced by it ended up falling into large-scale bloodshed like the First World War? And Christianity is one of the religions that advocates more love, kindness, and mercy. Hmm. All right, this is something we mentioned a few times. Christianity was taught to love, but in practice, the Christians did exactly the opposite. We've already mentioned this parable before. A parable of what this is like for a person who taught a class for 12 years and at the graduation party of the 12th grade, there was a knife fight between all the guys. So they say to the educator, is this your education? And the answer is no, I taught only good things. He's answered, even though you said only good things and the result of the good things you said is bad, so you probably failed. That is the way in which the educator conveyed the good things was a hidden, unspoken consent to violence. In other words, you obviously didn't get the message through. So what's the example for Christianity? Christianity says not to fight the wicked, but also to love them, to turn the other cheek to the enemies. This statement is terrible, because in it there is consent for evil to rule. That is, the Christian lets evil rule, even though he personally prefers to be a good person. An alternative must be brought to Christianity because it's impossible to leave the situation as it is. These words could not be more appropriate that this week you see the Pope did a double double header on us. Number one, he first said that uh, people who have um, deviant sexual natures can now be blessed. All right, that was a big finish. And then the Pope said there must be a ceasefire. Okay? So, again, ceasefire means rearm rearm Hamas so they can continue to kill us. As promised. Right? As promised. So, obviously, Christianity still hasn't learned a thing at all throughout. And they're, they're true to their colors. So, anyway, so that is the little introduction. Now um, we get into, remember the bold is the words of Rav Kook. So it says, mm-hmm. The sin of the murderers is embedded with stain. Mm-hmm. The wicked kings of the earth and all those who bring terror upon the earth. Okay, it's a blood-soaked Europe. The land will the, the land will not be atoned for. It's not the food, it's the blood. Sorry, that was a typo. 
But what which has been spilled upon it, unless what? Unless with the blood of those who shed it. And then, then the atonement is going to come. So Shirky says, the atonement for all the murders that were will have to come by shedding the blood of the murders. Murderers. Oh, murderers. Murderers. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, a lot of bloodshed has been in Europe. So their blood has to be shed as well. A beetle clully lechol mechonos hatarbus shel achshav, a total nullification of all the culture machinations of now. Imkol shakron v'tarmisan with all their lies and deceit. Imkol zuhamasom haraa va'arsan hatzvoni with all their evil pollution and viperous poisons. Rav Cook, you should know, although a very peaceful, gentle soul, when it came to wickedness. He was tough, man. He didn't pull any punches over here. So the rabbi continues his plaints. It's not meant to kill those who are responsible for war, but it's about a much broader matter. Not only the givers of the orders shed the blood, but the general culture. And it should be eliminated from the world. Again, it's that culture that bred all this. Remember, you don't look at the disease... You don't look at the symptoms, you look at the disease. The symptoms were barbaric acts. The disease was the culture, the Christian culture. That's what has to be destroyed. Right. That's what he says now. Kol hatarbus, the whole culture. Hamis haleles which glorifies it with the bells of lies. Muchrachas mina must be destroyed from the world. And what has to replace it with? Establish the kingdom of the Supreme Holy Ones, which is Judaism. So clearly, Christianity has to fall. There's like no question Christianity has to fall. And that is the great, this is really the great battle that's happening now. Christianity, I mean, it's been fighting with the Muslims for a long time. But now it's not even the Muslims who are fighting against them. If you look in America, per se, it's regular... The secularism. Secularism is, is destroying um, the Christian church. So this is Baruch Hashem. It's continuing. It just has to keep keep going, guys, as they say. But secularism isn't ideal either. Isn't the church. ideal either. Okay, you're right. Now, now we continue with Rav Shirky. He says, European culture was revealed to be a failure in the moral field. However, unlike the technological field, for example, where there are many achievements for European culture. So in other words, he is splitting up. He's saying on the one hand, there was a lot of true scientific results that have helped humanity, and that's uh, to be encouraged. But the cultural, the spiritual, and all the other, the moral failures... That, is ter- that has been a terrible, terrible failure, okay? Now, it's even happening now that in the world, even in the technological field, <laughs> there's some great failures. If we look at social media, it's a great failure. Uh, certain sciences have proved to be great failures. So it, it's happening more. So now the question arises, does the rabbi foresee the physical destruction of Europe? doesn't mean they have to be physically destroyed. So he says, no, 
But the rabbi's intention, me, Rav Cook, is that the value reference points of people will change. It's that culture has to change. Nowadays, it's still accepted that behavior should be judged according to the values of European culture. That is, there's a scale of values that comes from the European culture to which we today feel obligated. This scale of values needs to change. And this change is the responsibility of the people of Israel. Because it's only going to change when there's a viable alternative. That's when the change is going to happen. Leads us into the next lines of Rav Kook. Oram shall Yisrael Yofia, the light of Israel, will appear. L'chonein olam ba'amim ba'leruach, to establish a world whose nations are possessed with a new spirit, ruach chadasha. I should take that out. It makes it confusing over there. Ruach chadasha will be filled with a new spirit, balumim asher lo yegurik. It's sort of an international one that will not speak empty words. Okay? This new, Rav Shirky says, this new spirit that will come upon the world will no longer be committed to the apostate Christian tradition because of the virtue of Israel. So that means clearly Christianity has to fall. Rabbi. That, that yeah. is a major thing that has to fall because a lot of the Christian values has to fall. Yeah, then you. Wait, wait, first Paul and then you. It's not going to be replaced for the masses by Judaism, but rather Noahide. Yeah, Noahide laws. I mean, what, because it's yes, not, fine. No, they don't have to be Jewish. They're only Jewish. They can be proper Noahides. Right. That's all. They don't have just is, not is Christians. It, yeah. yeah. Is it? Is it? I, I think it may be fair to lay the failure for World War One for Christianity, and because, but I, I see it's like how many people are, are there who are, are practicing Christians who have practicing values that they're like almost. They're almost as rare as us to, to see this. So I well, think that's, as if it has fallen. He, he, Nowadays. Well, it's falling. It's falling. They, nobody listens to them. Like they're, 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 when's the last time you heard a bunch of Christians? Well, first of, all, first of all, you, you have to understand, the only ones you hear about are the ones who are vocal. Yeah. There are, I'm sure, a lot of real practicing Christians, they just don't make any noise. The news does not report regular things they report noise there's no noise believe me there are huge churches in texas and in the south massive churches and they still go to church a lot of people go to church a lot who don't i'm not saying not but they're not and they still carry a powerful political vote there's no question about it. it's it's going down i'll agree with you it's going down but i wouldn't say it's out but liberal secularism is worse almost. They have no values. Okay, fine. So, But they're looking, you see. The difference is they're looking. They've left what was clearly Christianity was bad. So they've recognized it. So they've left the bad. But obviously, they know that they don't have anything that's good. It's just an alternative. As you'll see a little bit later. As you'll see, he's going to say a little bit later. But anyway, this is... Remember, in, in Rav Cook's day, what was there? You're yeah. talking 90 years, uh, what am I saying, 110 years ago almost. What was, they were really churchgoers. Very much so. Oh, yeah. And in Europe, you didn't see any Muslim business at right. that time. Right. It wasn't there at all. Yeah. So that's the failure. So this is what he's saying 100 years ago, when it was still very strong, right. it has to fall. So 
time. It takes time, right? And then <laughs> continues Rav Kook, then they will no longer be angry with God and his Messiah, meaning our real Messiah. The problem with Christianity made a blur between God and the Messiah. And following the enlightenment of Israel, which we're hoping for in the world, this blur will no longer exist. Now, where does Rav Kook get this from? He gets it from the Aleinu. When we say, we believe in God, and they bow down to vanity and emptiness and pray to a God who will not save. Now, reek, the word reek is gematria three, uh, what's going on over here? Uh, is 310. So to speak, rake three out of ten. It says Shavu the Gemari of Yesho, which uh, oh Varik. Let's make a little correction here. This was a mistake in the original. Okay, the the Gematria of Varik. That's what the pasuk really says. The Shtachim will have a Varik. So Varik. I was wondering why it wasn't working out. Is three hundred and sixteen, right? Kuf is 100, Reish is 200, it's 300, Yud and Vav 10 and 6. Yesho, Yud is 10, Shin is 300, Vav is 6, 316. So that's what the, the it says in the Oleno, they worship Nightmares, which is Yashka. That was a very controversial line in, and many Jews said, take it out, because it's not good if the non-Jews figure out why we wrote this line. Right, that's why it's so, in brackets. In that's why it's in brackets, and some sitters don't have it at all. All right, that's clear. So that's got to go. Their vision, their uh, adulterated vision of the Messiah, obviously, has made a lot of problems. Okay, continues Rav Cook. Al or chay olam, against the light of the life, the chay olam va'al tom v'hamuna asher labris olamim. And against the perfection and the belief embodied in the eternal covenant. In other words, it's gonna. This is the false god of Mashiach will fall before the Jewish understanding. So Rav Shirky explains the world will no longer deny the covenant between the congregation of Israel and God. In other words, that was their adulteration. They said, "Oh, the covenant with Hashem and the Jews stopped, and now we have Christianity." That's gonna go. The question arises, the rabbi expected there to be a fundamental culture change in Europe following the First World War. Was there really such a change? The answer, partially. <laughs> Before the First World War, the world was sure that it reached a state of eternal world peace. And the First World War destroyed this hope. There was a questioning of the values of the previous world. People became more pessimistic about the idealty of man. Well, and you see, it didn't help much because the World War II, which again shattered the illusion of peace, put the world in the most despair. And he gives a couple examples of this. He says, is the passive existentialist philosophy in relation to man was developed a lot, or one that I think we can relate to more the flower youth, hmm. the 60s, the 60s, who said the world is lost and only love can save wow. it. Back, back to the All you got to do is love, right? Peace, man. Right? That's it. 
So what does that All you mean? Need is love. They're giving up. They're giving up. But they fail because when there are no tools to love to solve the situation, then it fails. Right? So people understand that the system is broken. But the solutions, they don't have any solutions. Every solution is worse than the other. And now it's like wokeism and all these other things, which are also not solutions. There's no solutions to any of this. So that's what he's saying. That is to say, what does it mean with these? They constituted a protest that expressed a great distress that ultimately has no solution. And this solution, the people of Israel will bring to the world through their actions. Hence, the establishment of the state of Israel is not only a solution to the problem of Jewish refugees, but it's the establishment of an alternative culture to the existing culture. See, how do we look at Eretz Yisrael? Remember, Rav Cook is saying this in the 19 World War Ones, right? 1915, 16, 17. There is no state of Israel yet. He's feeling it's coming. He's feeling it's coming. So what is this? It's not just, oh, we have a Jewish problem. Where can Jews live? What the world doesn't realize is that if Eretz Yisrael could really get itself on track, they will show the world how you could have a governance that is proper. Now, obviously, this is a big, again, Rav Cook did not see the actual state that was formed. He would have shuddered if he would have seen the actual state that was formed. And it could be if he had lived longer, maybe he would have been able to have influenced more. You know, there was a shortage of his type of rabbis um, around at that time. How old was he when he passed away? Well, he was born in, eight, I think, 70, 1865. He died in 1935. So he's like 65 or something. 70. Whatever. But, no, but he still had years. Well, he wrote this in 1915, so it's like uh, 50. Right. It's 50. But but the point being, like he, he envisioned there would be much more Haredi input into the state. And obviously, what, what did Rav Cook either not know or was just a bump along the road is how secular the state would be. Now, you read this and say, well, I guess he got it wrong a little bit because what the secular state did was trying to copy the other secular states. That was not the dream of Rav Kook. Rav Kook was dreaming that there would be religious Jews running a Jewish government. And if you have a real proper state that's run by Torah, then the world will have what to learn. I mean, think about it. A, a Jewish state that's run by Torah, proper Torah, will have very low crime, will have very low immorality, will have a lot of tzedakah, a lot of those good things. Now, that being said, Israel has had a lot of success, and there's still many things the world can learn, such as really the civility of war that the Jews bring into play, you see the, the irony with the most civilized warriors on the planet and what we won't do for the enemy. But, uh, and that we're criticized as the worst. But even America says they do a better job than us. Yeah. So there is certain areas where Israel is better. But obviously there's a great failure with the government structure the way it is. 
But that doesn't mean that's not going to change. As I said, it could be another 20, 30 years where you have more Haredim there, and then they take the power, and then they change, hopefully, a lot of things. We'll see. That is yet to play out. And that's, you know, it was interesting. Morty was telling me on a walk last night. He was listening to some rabbi on a podcast. He was a student of Rav Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein was the, the Rashiva in Karen Biyavna or not Karen Biyavna, one of the one of the Bnei Akiva Yeshivas. Oh, yeah. Big, big rabbi, Rav Amital, Rav Lichtenstein. Oh. There's a, like the big, the big uh, uh, Mizrahi Yeshivas. So he was a fellow who lived in America who went to these yeshivas to learn. So he was asking Rav Lichtenstein, so what is better for a person like me? Should I to, should I move to Israel? Should be Makayim building up the land of Israel? Should I not? You know, so he said to him like this, he said, he said, moving to Israel is not the goal. The goal is to be a successful businessman, open up industry, and give 10,000 jobs to Jews that they have good, proper jobs. That's called building up the land. He said, if, if my, if my, oh no, I forgot the question like this. He said, should I, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna move one day, should I move into a big city or should I move into one of these outposts? Well, that, what's called building up the land. Right. He said, building up the land is put, making an industry that 10,000 people have a job, Bukovic. So you see, that's really the issue over here. If you have from people, and you have, you have in the world, there's some amazing from people who are very honest in business and take care of a lot of people and they're not trying to steal money from people. So if you have that kind of society, the world can learn from that. Uh, it's still going to take a while. Obviously, we, we've been set back, unfortunately, because of the present governments. But that will change. And it has to change. Because the amount of religious people is becoming more and more. And you see if you look at the seats in the Knesset, as opposed to when it started, only a handful of religious seats. Now you've got like 30, 40 Rabbi, uh, religious more, seats. Just because you have seats, is the moral barometer changing? Is it, well, like, it, like it's I slowly... When I, see, when I see Derek Eretz, when I see like Jews treating each other at least... Like civilly, not like Canadians. It depends or... what areas of Israel you're in, right? Again, there's a lot of other battles that have to be fought, and there are very much bigger battles. Remember, the bigger battles of not having from women going into the army, and you know, with that, right? That was an issue. The funding of of schools is a critical issue. If, remember, the secular schools were not taught anything about Torah. So it doesn't help you, you know. That's why the Haredim always willing to give up the position. You ever find a Haredi, uh, a politician who's the Minister of Defense, you know, Secretary of State, like any of those like really important political positions? They're not interested. They want finance, education, education. That's what they want because if you don't have any education, what do you care about? If you want to make decisions, go to work and make whatever you want. But to, to be able to make uh, education, this where money goes that to for people's needs. That's a critical point. So we should not, you know, give up hope. It's taking a little longer than we wanted. The question arises, does the rabbi mean that there should be one culture for the whole world? Answer, no. There should be different cultures. 
but they should be cleansed by the slags of evil and evil that are found in them. By the way, it follows that according to Rav Kook, the state of Israel is a laboratory state. We're establishing a state with a political regime that will bring solutions to the questions of the nations of the world. In other words, when the Jewish state will be the way it's meant to be, the rest of the world will learn from it. That's it. After they've tried to destroy us so much, and they realize they can't destroy us. And remember, if you would just go there and see what's going on, I mean, even if my wife came back from the trip, like, you have no idea how much chesed goes on in Eretz Yisrael. You have no, it's not with the government, not with anything. The chesed, you know, Kolel Chabad, all these different places. Like every day, every week, thousands of meals for people that are poor. You know, do they, you know, so here you have like a little bit, okay, you've got the, what do you call that word? You know, no, the Goyim, they got the Salvation oh, the Army. Um, Here and there, but, but considering how many goyim you have, how many goyim you have, you should have a lot more volunteers. And Israel is such a small state, you know, how many, or even here in Toronto, when you're talking about Hatzalo and dealing with Misaskim and dealing with all these other things, we're, we're such few Jews and we have so many people volunteering and, and doing a much better job than what the governments are doing. So there is a core of beautiful Jewish people in Israel. Just not with politics. Yeah. So if Israel is currently fighting a moral war and this the more the most moral among the world nations in terms of how it fights the wars, and despite that, the whole world is still against Israel, uh, the way it's fighting the war. Then what makes us think that as Israel emits Hashem becomes even more religious, the world will suddenly wake shift paradigm? Because the politicians will talk more about God. And when that happens, then miracles happen. Yes. The rabbi spoke about then, it. then miracles happen. Then Hashem gets the kuku goyim to think a little differently. In other words, they they will respect like us when they know that we have what to be respected for. Right? Listen, they're still not getting what's so special about being Jews. You know, if, if I was a goy, I'd be like, honestly, I say, I'm not quite getting what's why make such a big deal of these Jewish people? So your standard goy, let's say a nice goy, is saying, well, they suffered in the Holocaust. They shouldn't have to suffer again. Well, that you can only use so far. You can only use so far. So, so what is so special about them? Okay, then it gets hard to see that. But if we really speak out for Hashem and we behave on that, they will see that. that that's what the world is really waiting to see some truth. So state of Israel is not yet, they're coming close. They're getting close. You know, even the politicians never even said with God's help. Now they're already saying with God's help. Right. Okay, that's a major step. Still not good enough. Still not good enough. But it, it takes time. And then, you know, they'll, they'll, if they get up, like I said, if you get up, if the, if the, if the ambassador of Israel, of, of Israel to the United Nations, would tell everyone in the United Nations when it's his turn to talk, he says, I want you to know I have nothing to say to any of you, but I'm going to talk to my God right now and say some choice words about Hashem and morality and this and that. And Hashem, please let the whole world see the truth, this and that. Hashem will do miracles. It's not a question. 
but you don't have the ambassadors saying that. You have the ambassadors just trying to prove how they're better than them. They're not going to listen to that. There's no yeah. seat for God in the United Nations. What? Well, there's no seat for God. But, but you give him one. Yeah. To wait to hear that. And if you don't hear that, that's a problem. So it's, it's a problem. The Yisrael and what's going to happen. Now remember, the, the Glam are waiting for the Jews. That was the light. The light of the Jews are going to shine upon them. Again, there's never been the opportunity. Remember, for thousands of years, no state, no voice. There was no real major voice. So now, even with the UN, even though we're outnumbered 150 to 1, but still, when the Jew will talk in the UN, he has a voice. They may not be caring, but depends on what he'll say. Remember, Moshe Rabbeinu went in front of Paro. Paro didn't like what he had to say, but he had a voice. He had a voice. And Hashem backed it up. You see, that's the important point. As you think, we think we're getting miracles now. You haven't seen nothing yet. As soon as the politicians will start talking more about Hashem, you'll see more miracles. And then the world's going to notice something. You see, that's what's what's missing over here. Okay, the Yisrael Yira Be'enav Shalamut Rishayim Shalumas, whatever, maybe it's a typo. The Israel will see with its own eyes the punishment of the wicked. Yitzod al churbanam shalom ishalim ba'alilim achadoshim kashetzod al churbanos bavol ve'ashartikos. The Jews will tread on the destruction of those who glorify the new idols of this world, such as money and all the other things, as we trod in the past on the swords of ancient Babylon and Assyria. There we proven and known that only in him, the God of Israel, is their salvation. That's the point. When we see that salvation, the salvation of God will surely come. So now this part is very important. It says from Shirky, the global salvation depends on us. Remember the Gemara says there's two terms. There's a geula called achishena. That's, a, I will hasten the redemption, but that's if we merit. And then there's the low achishena, the not hastened one. That's if we don't merit. So now obviously the question arises, if redemption depends on us, what do we need to do to move it forward? <laughs> that's the problem. The answer is to establish political frameworks as we have done, like the, the state of Israel, for uh, or let's go in the past. For example, when our Lord Moses was sent to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he argues with God and tells him that his brother Aaron is more suitable than he is for the role of savior of the children of Israel. And this is because Aaron was a rabbi, and Moshe grew up outside of Judaism. In other words, Aaron is the God of Lador. He should be the one, not me. That is, Aaron is more legitimate in the eyes of the people. And therefore, Moshe thought that he is more suitable than him. But God is angry with Moshe. He says, not Aaron, your brother the Levite. I knew that he would speak of a word. What is Hashem saying? In other words, Reb Aaron of the ghetto is a man of a base medrash, not of an act. He's just talking. He didn't study political science in Paro's house mm -hmm. like you did. In other words, you're the politician. Moshe grew up in the house of Paro for 20 years. He knew what it was to be a politician. He saw the corruption of the politics, obviously, and left. 
Aaron is just a rabbi, right? So, Which is why Hashem miraculously put him in the palace. That's right. But you had to have some kind of politician, as Moshe was. Now, I mistakenly the same, the same put this in the wrong place. The Let me just finish. One second. Moshe wanted, for his political move, to have a stamp of approval from the traditional establishment. Moshe saying, I don't get it. They're not going to want a, a, a leader. They, they haven't had a leader. Let's go back. Did they really ever have a, a leader? They came down with Yaakov, and then they got assimilated into Egypt, and now they're an oppressed people. What do they know about anything? They know they got a rabbi. He's Aaron. Aaron's the God of Lador. We listen to God of Lador. Hashem says, no, you have to realize, you need a political leader who's religious, but who really knows his politics. So Moshe was afraid, listen, I need to get an approval. They're not going to approve of me. That's what he said about Aaron. So Hashem says, here he is coming out to meet you and saw you and rejoiced in his heart. What does it mean he rejoiced in his heart? Because this was Moshe's fear that he and the other rabbis would not agree with his words. Mm. And that's to saying, okay, you're accepted by the establishment. Okay, now this is a very scary parentheses over here that Rav Shurki says, and you can discuss this if you'd like. But Agav, he says, Rav Kook, who knows saying, So Rav Kook gave his stamp of approval for Ben-Gurion's political moves, which was the establishment of the state. Now, let me explain the context again. Again, you have to know Rav Kook was still not a politician. So he believed we had to have a political system. We had to have people who were courageous to want to have a leadership, and Rav Kook was supportive of that. Now, if Rav Kook would have known the heinous evil that these people did, I don't think Rav Kook would have been happy with the selection of these people. This, If, if you want to say Rav Kook made an error, it could be in his not uh, underestimating the evil of Jewish politicians, okay? And unfortunately, there was a lot of evil over there, and he did not, could not believe that there be no room for any religiosity here. This is what a major problem was, and that's why things have been set back way back uh, from what they should have been, okay? So this, this is a nasty little area. So Moshe is kind of right saying that I'm not going to be a politician and I'm not going to be right to do even though... Oh, but, but Moshe was a from politician. I, I know, I know. It's just, it just that thing, by the nature of never trust a politician, it's almost well, uh, like... Uh, but, that, but Moshe was one you could trust. You have to understand. In other words, the point is, the Jews are used to, there's a rabbi, he decides everything. Hashem says, if you want to be a free people, you've got to have some political clout. It has to be, and it's true. That's why we do have a melech. Moshe did not want to be the Melech. He said, what am I being the Melech for? That's not the way it, that's working. I said, now it has to. You have to have a Malchus. And that's why there always was a Malchus. So now the Jewish people for 2,000 years, not, the world is going terrible because there's no role models. So saying this becomes the role model that we're looking for. Okay, and that's what the world is waiting for. Okay, so now let's continue. Back to Rav Cook's words. Again, we're trying to keep the context over here, but we're going to see the wicked will be knocked out, right? And only through the Jews will there be salvation for the world. And then what else is happening? 
Hanitvas hakorshol goyim, the evaporation of the power of the Gentiles. Shekavei kos who are drunk with a poison cup. Muchrach hasilavo is bound to come. He's saying the corrupt world is, is about to be finished. God will open up his treasure and bring out his vessels of wrath. If Europe and its nations continue to try to hold on to their dignity. So what Rav Kook is saying, this is going to be happening, although it's going to happen slowly. Okay. Now, continue Rav Kook. What will not help Europe? Not their truth. Not their righteousness. They're not interested in Hashem. They're not interested in following His ways. Matzav Zed, the situation now in Europe, Huragi, it's just temporary. In the moments of history. But this state of not knowing Hashem is only temporary. But the Or Tshuva Yofia, the light of Tshuva, has to come. Okay, so uh, it, it has to come through the Jewish people. So now comes an interesting question. Okay, so where is the global redemption manifested through the framework of the Jewish state? <laughs> he's saying the world's going to be saved by the framework of the Jewish state. The answer, well, he's, it's very strange words. He says the framework hides the redemption. Hide where the framework. For example, let's say about Shimshon, who was a hero. What does it say? And he wished to save Israel. That's what it says. The Navi writes how she wanted to save Israel. What is meant by wished? Well, the answer is he begins the salvation, and since it's only its beginning, it's hidden. You want to start it, but it still is hidden, right? So now he needs some kind of framework to see, well, what is this guy Shimshon? Well, Shimshon needed frames of the tearing of the lions, and the beating on the cheek of the donkey in order to save Israel. That was his framework. So the, okay. So the parable is God hides the Holy Spirit in a rough envelope of frames such as muscles. It's the Jewish power. And little by little it refines and reveals itself. And that's why it's, you know, it's taking a very long time. And that's why the current salvation started precisely with seculars. In other words, you had to start with a framework. The framework, is, you're going to have no state with just a bunch of rabbis. So you have to have a framework. What's the only framework that can allow a nation to happen? Power and strength. An army. So that's a framework that's concealing the real framework. The real framework is going to be Torah and all that. But you have to have an external framework to help this. Okay, and look what he says, another very, uh, very unusual comment. By the way, this is the reason Rav Cook, despite all the opposition, late, wrote, wrote later in his book, O wrote that the gymnastics of the young men of Israel, in order to be brave sons of strength to the nation, is something greater than the unifications of the Kabbalists. Now, when you have a Kabbalist doing all kinds of holy Tfilos, he says, for this period of time, young men in the gym is more important. Why? Because it's showing a, a position of strength that needs to be done to
to create Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is not going to be created from Kabbalists. We have Kabbalists in Svat. They lived and they died. Okay, we got a lot of good things for them. We got a Shulchan Aruch. We got a lot of good things. We have, didn't do anything to change the world in any way, shape, or form. So obviously, there are certain frameworks that are hiding a lot, but eventually it's going to bring things to where things are going to happen. Shimshon oh. didn't end in a very good way. But he did bring a lot of yeah, peace no, to the I, Jews. When there was nobody else to bring peace to the Jews, he brought peace for 20 years. So this was his endorsement of, of, a, of a physical army, which was... You have to have one. If you don't have one, you can't do anything. There's nothing to do. Yeah, but but as, but as again, let's look at the army today versus what it was 75 years ago. Right? I told you, somebody sent me a, a, a little quick video. Uh, a, a tank, eight guys in the tank, and it's Friday night, and you see one of the guys while the tank is going is making kiddush, and they're all saying amen. Okay, did you think you ever saw that seventy-five years ago in a tank? You see, you see what's happening: tens of thousands of tzitzis. And you ever think there was one pair of tzitzis seventy-five years ago? It's probably against regulation. But... No, I'm just, I'm just saying, guys with kippas, guys with beards. Guys putting on, it's, it's like all happening over there. So there's, I mean, this is what Ruth Cook was dreaming. And it was his students that really picked up, his son and these later, because they, they really believed that and they got these soldiers to do this. This was very much against the quote unquote black hat Haredi policy of stay completely away. So we see that things are happening. Now, he continues from Shirky. The people of Israel have a lot of work to do. As it says in Zechariah, and I removed his blood from his mouth and this thorn was between his teeth and he also remained our God and he was about a thousand in Judah and a principal council. What's this possible? More McGill explains like this. It's referring to the theaters and circuses in Edom, as Gomorrah says, where the champions of Yehuda will teach Torah in public. The times of the Gomorrah says when Mashiach comes, every theater and circus that was in Edom will become a, a yeshiva. So what does that mean? Well, see, the see. simple the simple shot was, you saw the Siyam in 2020 was in the MetLife Stadium. And would you ever dream there'd be a Siyam in MetLife Stadium? Well, when the Shia comes, that's what all those stadiums are gonna be for, right? But now the question is, what's theaters and what circuses? What does that really mean? Well, A, a place where pagan worship was studied, and B, a house of a committee of the Gentiles. They're political institutions. Okay, that's what these are hinting to. Religious places and political institutions. And those ones will turn into place of Torah. Of Cook explains the dispute between the two opinions is about the role that the people of Israel play towards the Europeans. A, will we correct their religious feeling? That is, will we go into the depths of the Christian religious feeling and raise it to its roots in Israel? And that can very well happen with all these present Christians who love Jews. Remember, why do they love Jews? Because according to their doctrine, Jesus is not coming until the Jews are in Israel. But, but you see, it just needs to shift a little bit, get rid of Jesus, and then they'll just love the Jews. Finished. It's, but Or, the other opinion says, it's impossible to correct them from within Christianity. Therefore, Europe needs to become secular 
And only then will the people of Israel be able to correct them. That is, the correction will come from a political culture, not a religious culture. So if Cook wasn't sure what's going to happen, and, you, and, you, and, and he doesn't make an absolute decision, it could happen either way. It happened either Christianity will just morph into Judaism, or governments will shut down religion, and there'll be no religion, and then Judaism will just take over. So that, and you see how it's playing out that way. We don't know it's going to end. Yeah. This is before Mashiach comes or after he comes? The times before, obviously. You know, the advent of Mashiach. What is going to play out? Okay. Again, I'm not, you have to keep remembering there's an awesome thing that after 1900 years, there is a state of Israel. He just, he just kind of absorbed that idea. And that is... And this, Rav Cook said this before the state, but he's seeing people are coming. He knew that it's going to happen. So now the pieces have to just go into place. But you see, at the same time, it's not like, is the world a happy place? Far from it. And in this happy world, there happens to be a little happy Israel over there. No, it's almost, uh, what do you call that, a parallel. As Israel becomes bigger, the world becomes crazier. You see what's happening. So it's not like since 1948, you know, you can imagine these countries somewhere in Africa, you know, Congoville and these places where it's just depressing and there's poverty and there's nothing, anything ever good happening there, right? You got these countries, right? It's not like Israel was on those places. Israel's not like Egypt, not like Syria, not like Lebanon, not like any of these places. It's really is growing. And it's really, it's called a modern country. It's doing amazing. So, so what's going? And as they're getting amazed, the world is going crazy. So obviously, something's happening. Yeah. I was reading about Alfred the Great, who was the first king. Alfred the Great, the great uh, first king of England, and he really did read Torah. Like he based the law system on the Jewish laws of the. Okay. Torah. Didn't last long. Yeah. Even the yeah, American yeah, Constitution. Okay. I wasn't. Wasn't Hebrew supposed to be one of the? Yeah, languages? yeah. There are various places. Okay, we got to finish up soon. From which it is implied that Rev. Cook is inclined towards the correction of Europe by Christianity precisely. For example, the Christian world was born from a deep admiration for the people of Israel. That is, they felt that the soul of Israel had a great divine power. You've got to wonder, why did the Christians first, they say there is a Jewish people and they were very special. They didn't recognize that for one reason or another. But, and they did not know how to absorb this divinity. Now, if they saw something good in Judaism, so why didn't they absorb it? Because our political situation in those days was extremely low. We were under, well, it was rude Roman rule, but we're under the Roman rule, should just say. No accidents. We're under the Roman rule that destroyed our temples and scattered us amongst the nations. Yeah, we're special people, but not quite then. But despite our shaky politics, they felt a strong sense of divinity within the people of Israel. And thus they turned the people of Israel into a mythological figure that should be bound out to. That is, they felt that they could not connect to the actual Jewish people. So they connected to some kind of myth in the form of a crucified Jewish boy, Yoshka. The way to fight this, that's where it came from. The way to fight this distortion on our part is to revive our politics. That is, the people of Israel resurrected in practice in a national political manner. And, and that means, obviously, with Jewish Judaism in practice in the Jewish country. And say to the Christians, leave the myth and come to us. 
Now, before this, the Christians had no choice. That stick to the myth because they didn't have the people of Israel to stick to. Why not? Well, in those days, the Roman Empire was already after 500 years of Hellenistic culture. At first, they believed that what would redeem the pagan world was philosophy. Right. Uh -huh. That was with the Greeks, but philosophy did not solve the problem. So different moral teachings arose in its place, like hedonistic teachings. And they also did not give hope to man and even led him to despair. Humanity had to be given positive news about life. Ah, now we can get Christianity. God is connected to the individual. They found this in Judaism and called it the good news. <laughs> but it's really not the core of Judaism. What's the core, but not the details. The question arises, if they needed the positive content found all in Judaism, why didn't they convert? And that's the answer is, they didn't join Judaism because it wasn't possible. Number one, the political plight. And number two, the Jews had sinas as religious as we were, there's too much sinas chinam. So it's ironically that it was the Christians who talked about love instead of the Jews. Yeah, Judaism is all about love and the Jews are fighting with each other. So that's why we can't join them, okay? So there's, there's more uh, things over here, but it, uh, this question arises, what's the problem in the pagan world? So what's wrong with it? And so the pagan world does not create harmony in the soul is it creates a contrast of values. After all, if there's a good for everything, then the values are each on their own and not related to each other. And thus man lives in an inner rupture. He turns from a harmony of forces into a clash of gods. Okay, then he says, well, why can't they have one god? And then they get into other problems. Okay, let's, let's move on. I want to be able to finish up over here. Okay, we still have another two pages. So, Rav Cook continues. So now what has to happen? Behechrich, inevitably, Man will throw his idols of money and his idols of gold and will turn to the goodness of God. Despite the destruction of the previous culture, one needs foundations in order to ascend the return to God. What do you see now? Are people wanting to work now? People don't want to work anymore. They don't want the idols of gold anymore. They just want free stuff. That's not a good solution either. But uh, not everybody's so much into the money anymore. Uh, or, or they're going to get into throwing more away. Okay. And Rakuk writes in another place that Christianity, although it tried to abstain from official idolatry, was nevertheless founded on foundations close to idolatry. It could not invade pagan nations whose idolatry penetrated the depths of their souls and blood and flesh because it took a pagan style for its cushion and flattened its style. So really, Christianity is essentially Judaism in a pagan style. So they kind of merged it. The rabbi continues, she knows well that if the pagan style is dissolved and consumed by a bare hand, the bed of it will no longer find a place in life for its special currency. We forced to swallow spirituality in Judaism its origin, which they don't want. This is, there is a possibility that Christianity will be swallowed up again in its source if and when it leaves its pagan foundations. For example, there's a former Christian writer who suggests that Christianity go from reforms that include the abolition of the belief of the Holy Trinity, the abolition of the belief in Jesus, the abolition of the belief in God's abandonment of the people of Israel, and the transformation of Christianity into the ambassador of the people of Israel amongst the nations. There are those who tried to do that. The proposal did not include the abolition of the Christian institution. 
rather in making it a servant of God's word in the mouth of Israel. Aha, uh -huh. although the proposal didn't find acceptance, but you see there were already such ideas in the past, and that's what he's hoping will happen as well. He says, by the way, there's no difference between a Catholic Christian and a Protestant Christian in this matter, because every Christian is focused around the figure of Jesus. As long as this focus exists, they have no possibility of serious disciples of the people of Israel. Soon as they free themselves from the inhibiting myth, they will have something to hear from us. And now, of Shirkiyats, nowadays we may be getting closer to this thing since the people of Israel have returned to their land. There appears a strong nation figure who can be a role model, etc. And this, again, is certainly against Christian belief that Jews would ever come back to Israel. So that's important. And we do show a great sense of morals. By the way, these ideas are very far from the thinking of the elite that currently rules the country of Israel. He agrees. But if you do the math over the generations, you see this direction inevitably breaks out despite the opinion of the elites, and despite the hesitations of the rabbis, right? But eventually this will change. And that's what he's saying. Eventually it is all going to change. Okay, last page for today. Okay. Then what will happen? Then the existing culture will perish in all its foundations, its libraries, theaters, and all its institutions, and all the laws that are founded in vanity and cruelty. They had a very interesting Christian law, possession without claim. It was one of their laws. If a person owns real estate for three years and there's no claim against it, the legal system, the property becomes his. Now, where did this come possession from? Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Oh, yes. Where did, this, where did this come from? It came from the Romans. Well, on the one hand, were very sensitive to issues of legality. And on the other hand, they would conquer countries with brutality. Yeah. Look what happened. They wanted the lands they illegally conquered to be theirs legally. <laughs> so what happened? A Roman soldier serves for 15 years. When he's released, he's given a piece of land. From where? Conquer territories. So now that's wicked. Now they invent a law. If you can hold on to the land for three years and get the rightful owners not to say anything, it's yours. You follow? So what did they do? Well, they got this strong soldier there. He's not going to let the owner come on the land. So our law is if you're on the land for three years, it is yours. Okay? And you see society today has wicked laws. The most wicked law is if someone goes into your house with a gun to rob you, and if you kill him, you go to jail. You see, we, we, we give rights to the uh, robbers, right? But it's a law, and you're going to go to jail. That's it. And all the bad manners and sins of life will completely pass away. That These are also life manners. Both the laws and these life manners will disappear. And God will be exalted alone on that day when they recognize the Lord of Israel as God. The intertwining of the spiritual with the practical deed in its present form could not stop in spite of all the glory of this wisdom. The massive shedding of blood and the world destruction in such a terrible way, after all, he proves that it is fundamentally wrong. It turns out from the very beginning of Christianity was corrupted and therefore the rabbi, Rav Cook is giving very harsh words to, but it can be corrected. But the first thing, Christianity needs a shock. And Rav Cook closes. 
From the beginning of its foundation throughout its entire course, it is nothing but the council of lies and complicated evildoers who are connected with the mental and physical tendencies that have been strengthened in the architecture of the building of the nations of our time, who forget God in their hearts and carry his name on their lips only. Therefore, the entire present-day culture will most certainly be destroyed, and on its residue, there'll be established a new world building in truth and the knowledge of Hashem. It will be the last days indeed, at the Pasuk, he says, now from the Navi, the mountain of the house of Hashem will be at the top of the mountains, will rise from the hills, and all the nations will flock to it. So again, Rav Shurki concludes, every time there was a world war, humanity prepared for building a new world. President Wilson founded the League of Nations. Mm. Roosevelt and Churchill want to prepare the world with the United Nations, mm. right? But that is the height of depression. Even then, there's optimistic hope for the world. So we have to see what is yet to come. But you see what's going on here is the state of Israel is really the state of perfecting the entire world. And that's the mission. We have to always remember what's going on over here is and all the pain and suffering is, is another seismic shift about to happen. And Israel has to live up to this. So it's we live in interesting times. If you understand what the program is, and you won't be surprised with the results. Okay, shkoyach everybody. We will continue next week. There's only two more chapters. Then we'll decide. There's another part. This is war. There's another part called 